Good morning and welcome to another Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Good to be with you here for day 53 as we're looking at Matthew chapter 13, a great chapter of parables and then with an interesting uh, illustration of the truth of these parables that comes at the end of the chapter. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. May it penetrate our hearts and show us the truth about ourselves. And may we see Jesus ever more clearly through the word that points us to him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 13. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping... His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, 
Did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barns. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till all was leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief.
That's Matthew chapter 13 in the ESV. Well, this is the great parables chapter. Of all the chapters and all the gospels, this one has the most number of parables, most important parables. Probably the single most important parable that Jesus ever told was the parable of the four soils. It's repeated in all the gospels, and it is such a centrally important parable for understanding the way the kingdom of God works, the way the word of God works in the hearts of those who hear it. It's also the only parable that Jesus explicitly explains in, in all the gospels. And so sometimes he explains others in some places and not others, but this one is so clear, so important. The word of God comes to us when we hear it, to people, when they hear it. And there are four possible responses that can be made. One, completely not understanding it, not getting it, not caring in one ear and out the other, we would say. That's the rocky, that's the hard path. That's the path, right? The birds of the air, the birds of the air are, represent Satan and his minions, and they come and take away the seed, right? Well, the next one is the rocky soil. So there's a little layer of soil that's soft, easy to penetrate, and then below it are rocks. Seed falls, seed immediately springs up because it doesn't have much depth. You see, when a seed goes into the soil, the first thing it does is put roots down. And then after several days of putting roots down, it'll start to pop up through the soil. And then by the time you see green leaves on something, it has roots that are further down deep than the leaves are up high. That's the proper way a seed germinates. But that doesn't happen in this rocky soil. There's no roots, really. It's just sitting on the top of a rock. And so it comes up the only way it can go. And so you see it and you're like, great. But as soon as it's hot, as soon as it's dry, it completely withers away, blows away, comes to nothing. Another one goes in among thorns and it does put down roots. But as it's growing up, it's choked out by the thorns that also grow up with it. Now that Seed on the rocky soil, Jesus says, are those who have a superficial response to the gospel. They're, they're joyful. What? I can have all my sins forgiven and go to heaven? Yay! I like to be forgiven. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Yay! But then when they find out that the Christian life is hard, that it might bring persecution, that you might have to live differently than the world, all of a sudden, mm, I'm not interested in following Jesus anymore. Let me get out of here. They're fair-weather Christians. The ones with the thorns are those who are, Jesus says explicitly, it's the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke out the word. It proves unfruitful. Only the seed that grows on good soil bears fruit. And why does a farmer sow seed? Not to get a little plant that withers and is blown away. Not to get a bigger plant that's completely unfruitful because it's choked out by thorns, a farmer sows seed to get fruit. And so only the fruitful seed represents someone who has come to true salvation. You know, in between telling this parable and explaining it, Jesus tells us why he tells the parables. And it's very, very different from what many, many Bible teachers say. Many Bible teachers say, well, Jesus told these parables so that everybody could understand the kingdom of God. He made it very clear to them. That is the exact opposite of what Jesus himself says as to why he told everything in parables. He wanted to make a distinction so that those who have ears to hear would be able to hear, but others would not. 
Parables divide. There are those who get it, and there are those who don't get it. There are those whose eyes are open and whose ears are open by the Spirit of God, and they understand the parable, and it enriches them. And there are those who think Jesus is just telling stories, and what is his point anyway, and they're, and they're out. That's why Jesus told parables, not to make things equally clear for everybody, but to make a distinction between those who belong to the kingdom, whose eyes and ears are opened by God's grace. And that's why he tells them that their ears and eyes are blessed because they have had them opened by God. He continues to tell them other parables. We don't have time to look at them in detail, but many of them continue on this similar theme. You have within the kingdom of heaven, within the field, both good seed that's sown and weeds that are sown. So within the same group, you have the true sons of the kingdom and you have sons of the evil one, and it won't be sorted out until the end of the age when Jesus comes again. There's uh, mustard seed that's sown, and it grows up to be a very large tree that provides shade, but then the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. In this chapter, the birds of the air are a symbol for Satan and his minions, so the church itself can become a nesting place for evil doers to prey upon God's people. Um, there's a net that's mixed. You bring in a catch of fish, and some of them are good, and some of them are bad. So Jesus is telling us in all these parables that within the church, within the kingdom of God, within professing Christians, among those who respond positively to the gospel, not everyone is a true believer. Not everyone has saving faith. Some people have a superficial faith. Some people have a very worldly corrupted faith. Some people are evildoers. Some people are instruments of Satan to prey upon the people of God. Well then, doesn't that seem like maybe it's not worth it being in the church? Maybe, maybe there'd be better places to invest ourselves? Well, no. The kingdom of heaven's like treasure in a field or a pearl of great price. It is the thing worth having above all else. Jesus himself gave up everything he had to get the kingdom of God. He left heaven and gave his life to pay the price to secure the kingdom of God as his kingdom. We should want it no less. Even though it means that not everybody within the church is going to be a true believer or an honest, sincere Christian. And that is shown as what happens to Jesus here at the end of the chapter is that here in his own hometown where people have known him, and these are the people of God. These are the people of Israel. They're in the synagogue. They're in the place of worship. And they say, who is this guy? Wait a minute. This, this is the carpenter's son, Joseph's boy. Isn't his mother called Mary? Doesn't he have brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Doesn't he have sisters who are here with us? And by the way, based upon the context of what's being said here, it's very clear that Jesus had younger brothers and sisters. James and Joseph and Simon and Judas are his brothers, and he had sisters. Some people have said that this refers to cousins. Look at the context. That's not a plausible interpretation of those words, right? Yes, that word can in some other Greek context be used as the word for cousin, but it's never used that way in the Bible. It's Adelphoi. It's never used that way in the Bible as cousin. 
And in the context, cousin doesn't make any sense because they're talking about his father, Joseph, and his mother, Mary. So the brothers and sisters would be the children of those same two people, Joseph and Mary. Now we know these are half brothers of Jesus because Joseph is their father, whereas Jesus has God as his father. But Jesus clearly has younger brothers and sisters, which clearly means that Mary was not a perpetual virgin. If you go back to Matthew chapter one, you'll read that it says, Joseph knew, did not know his wife until she had given birth to a son and they called his name Jesus. Joseph did not know his wife, did not have marital relations with his wife until she had given birth to a son. So she remained a virgin through the birth of Jesus, but then after that, not. That word until implies very strongly that he did know his wife after she gave birth to Jesus and that they had at least seven more children, six more children at a minimum. So there were younger brothers and sisters of Jesus. And that's, I think it's abundantly clear from the text. And in fact, Bible scholars will tell you that the book of James was written by this James and that Judas here is Judah in the Hebrew, and he wrote the book of Jude. So two of the books of the Bible, James and Jude, are written by the younger half-brothers of Jesus. But the point of this passage, of all these parables, for us is this very clearly. First of all, how have you responded to God's word? Has God's word borne fruit in your life, real fruit of faith in God? of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, of love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you see the value of the kingdom of God? And do you understand that not everyone who professes the name of Jesus really belongs to Jesus? And so we wait for Jesus to come to sort that out. That's not our job to say, oh, you're not really a Christian. That's God's job. He'll, he'll judge and he'll take care of that when he comes again. The job for us is to examine our own heart and make sure that our response to the word of God is a response of true and saving faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us, for your gracious saving grace, your power that redeems, that opens eyes, that opens ears, that shows us the truth, and that brings good fruit from your good word in our hearts. Would you do that in our hearts today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I know this was a longer one, but the passage was longer and there's so much there. It's so hard for me to go through these quickly. Uh, tomorrow, Lord willing, for day 54, we'll be back in the book of Genesis chapter 35. Have a blessed day in the Lord.